Hey everyone, welcome back to the Growing Lean podcast, sponsored by Lean Discovery Group. This is your host Dylan Burke, also known as Deej. I'm happy to be here with William Houston, founder and CIO at Bay Street Capital Holdings. Welcome, William. Hey, bro. How are you doing? All good. All good. Thanks for being here today. To get us started, can you tell us a little bit about your history and background and how you ended up doing what you do today? Sure, man. Uh, it's kind of a, uh, a sad story meets almost happy ending. We'll see. The story still being written. Uh, I started my business when I was 19. I did that because in Georgia, if you take a year off and work for a year, you get in-state tuition. You know, So my freshman year, my, my father was sick. He got on disability. I had an older, I had a younger brother and sister who hadn't gone to school yet and decided to start a business in order to uh, get in-state tuition. So first 14 years of my career was kind of a result of, uh, you know, my, my father's situation. And as a result of that, I got into what I'm doing now, which is investment management. Uh, we were supporting investment firms. Uh, my first business was a call center that did branding and marketing for uh, investment firms in the, in, in, in the space. Okay, amazing. Um, I mean, not amazing. It sounds like it's been tough, but I'm glad you're working through it and, and making your way. That's awesome. And for Bay Street Capital Holdings, can you tell me a little bit more about, about this business um, and maybe go over your, your strategy? Sure. Yeah, so Bay Street is an RIA. So that means that we are investment advisors to individuals, to families, to uh, 401ks, to nonprofits. And what we do is the whole portfolio, right? So we look at a, a, a portfolio of assets and we determine what is the most appropriate way to allocate that portfolio uh, for the needs of our clients. A big part of what we do that's a bit different than the average, I will say, or the typical RIA or investment firm is that we, from the beginning, sort of focus on just online and like comprehensive branding and marketing. And that was a result of the, the call center experience. Yeah. So all of our client base is inbound. So it's people who are finding us through various mediums. And uh, I think that our advisors like it that way because it's a, a lot of, it's a different sort of cycle than the typical sales cycle when you're reaching out, trying to convince someone to switch. Our business is much more people have done their research and they've decided that they want to have a conversation with us. So we're kind of meeting at a, at a, at a, at a uh, closer to the middle, I guess you could say. That's amazing. That cuts out, like, saves a lot of time. Um, mm, mm, mm. You basically don't have, need top of funnel marketing, which is pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And how, how have you adapted to changes in the industry over, over the years? Yeah, it's when I started the business again. I was I was nineteen, so this was back when Facebook had just become available. You know, Netflix was just sending DVDs. eBay was a brand new thing. You know, and the internet was a lot different. So the way Google search used to work, you could buy a whole bunch of domain names. Say you wanted to market for fill in the blank, you would just buy that domain name and several iterations thereof, and someone typed in, you know, best financial advisor, San Jose, you'd own that website, best financial advisor, San Francisco, you'd own that website, right? So you just kind of, so there was a lot of this like wild, wild west of SEO and just like optimization going on uh, as the internet was growing up with, with like our business getting started, you know? And so uh, a lot of that was a trial and error that we, that we sort of like iterated through as the internet was maturing, you know? And so now, 
uh, a lot of what we picked up in terms of trial and error, we are able to like efficiently apply. And I think a big difference with a lot of organizations from a marketing standpoint is their marketing budget isn't necessarily very efficient, you know? And so us being able to know from an ROI, a ROAS standpoint, how should we be applying and how should we be deploying our marketing budget in order to get sort of the best outcomes, I think is a, is a meaningful sort of uh, competitive edge that we have that's the result of, you know, the previous years of doing this for a bunch of other investment firms. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think one of the best, I want to say feelings, I'm not sure if it's the right word, but best experiences is when you realize like things are changing and you uh, put in a new system in place and things start working better again. It's like, it just feels so good when that happens. Um, yeah, and it's terrifying when it doesn't, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, exactly. A, a couple of months ago, our, our traffic dropped like precipitously, like dropped off a cliff, you know? And we were like scrambling for two weeks to figure out like what's going on. We literally were like, this whole business model doesn't work if we have to uh, rely or like immediately shift from, you know, the inbound sort of requests we have to like more of an outbound approach. We just weren't, we're not really properly positioned for that. You know, and it turned out like Google was like updating some stuff and a couple of weeks later, just like cranked back up and we're like, well, that was <laughs> terrifying, you know? <laughs> Yo, I can imagine. That's crazy. Um, and more recently, how did you adapt to the pandemic, for example? Uh, because that obviously shocked most businesses worldwide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think a big part of how you position yourself has to do with market sentiment, right? It's the same with investing as well. So a lot of times I try not to swim against the current. Like, And what I mean by that is like if there's a general consensus in the marketplace, I found that the best thing that I can do from a branding and positioning standpoint is not to be contrarian, like at the current size of our business, right? And so, it, for example, if you look at the market last couple of years pre-COVID, uh, renewable energy and technology was on a tear, right? So we positioned ourselves as this new young firm that was really focused on renewable energy and technology that was on a tear, right? And so people sort of kind of got that view. And we had to kind of tweak when 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 COVID came because although the whole market sort of fell out and technology still sort of rocketed up, right? There was also this like changing climate in terms of why am I going to work with the firm, you know, and who am I going to work with as an advisor? And so we, we said, okay, yeah, sure. We can have a portfolio and we can have a team of young folks and next generation advisors and all that who are digital first, but first and foremost, let's fine tune our messaging and be more focused on advocating for the next generation of the the investors, because like we're one of the few firms that have such a young sort of like advisor pool to work with, you know, so 75% of the staff, they're women, uh, half the staff were under the age of 30. When we started out on this, you know, half the team have founded former businesses. So it's kind of a unique mix that you that you get when you work with our team, as opposed to if you were to walk into just like a a retail bank off the store or off the street. And so we've we've kind of, I would say, tailored our messaging to focus more on that why post-COVID than we have trying to be just another commodity of there's tons of investment firms. We hope you choose ours, you follow. And that's kind of attracted a certain sort of mission aligned client base that says, I'm doing this because I'm in alignment with your worldview, not necessarily because you're into technology. You get my point. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Um... So did you not have, did you not slow down during uh, the pandemic? Like, have you guys always worked remote or? 
how did it work logistically? Yeah, so during the pandemic, the business was very small to start. So 2020, I only had one or two employees, right? And so okay. now we're a team of 12. So we didn't benefit from COVID pandemic, all that stuff that was going on. And we weren't really hindered by it either. You could argue we were benefited because we had really strong performance. But again, I think from a branding positioning standpoint, there was a lot of investment firms that had just outstanding performance in 2020 because the market was hot, right? So yeah, I don't think that's the real sort of answer to to the question. I think the underlying point is that we we tweaked how we were going to present ourselves to the market. And we focused on the why, not necessarily like, what are we doing? You, you see. Okay, 100%. 100%. And more recently, um, with the this fast evolution of technology with AI coming, like becoming mainstream, have you taken advantage of the tools that are available? It's neat. We've looked at some of the uh, voice modeling stuff where you know we've got a lot of blogs that are long form content we've 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 looked at turning that into short form content uh because youtube is second largest search engine in in the in the world you know uh we don't have a very meaningful youtube presence though so we've sort of been pushing into again that younger demographic that's absorbing a lot of their financial literacy from places like youtube with individuals who may or may not be uh, licensed or qualified to provide said advice, you know, so trying to figure out how can we hit that demographic with, you know, a first grade reading level, not using words like profit, but defining what profit is. So you hit the algorithm, right? You know, these sorts of things. We're looking into all that sort of stuff. Uh, and from an AI standpoint, I think how we'll implement it as a team will be taking content that we've already produced, distilling it down to short form content, and then figuring out a replicable process to take the long form content that, that we use to get sort of our institutional client base and then transition that to the individual retail investor who's, you know, Gen Z and say, oh, I'm going to just figure out how to trade options, but I need to figure out how to do that without that term being used. You follow. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. Awesome. Uh, we also do that with our content, with these, podcast with the videos we cut them down into 10 like couple second clips and run those on the short form tiktok instagram youtube and we get like tons of of views on those um so short form is the way especially with the young generation now with the attention span of like 10 seconds i think that is probably the right way to go um i wanted to also ask in terms of metrics of success for your business how do you measure it do you have specific kpis that you follow we do for every million impressions we get about twenty-five thousand clicks so it's not an amazing click throughs you could call it below average and for those twenty-five thousand clicks we typically get about a hundred or so appointments that are scheduled with the team and that gets split across our advisors so we're constantly trying to improve the quality of those hundred appointments, you know, so we can see a dip in appointments if we realize, for example, that we're showing up for a term like uh, life insurance, and we've found that that particular search term doesn't convert well, but we're getting a lot of it, you know, so we can push that sort of out and maybe we drop to 60, 65 appointments and then say we're doing a pretty good conversion on a term like inheritance. You get my point. 
yeah. and then but that's a harder keyword to get more traffic into so being creative in terms of how do we uh express our views when someone is receiving an inheritance and make sure that like you mentioned earlier top of funnel all the way down to influencing purchase behavior how do we get them at at each point of search and at each point of intent to keep coming across this Bay Street brand and finding things that are adding value from a like, I'm learning more about this particular phase of my life that I'm in, point one, point two, point three, search term one, two, and three, I'm now ready to reach out to Bay Street and say, hey, you know, I read a couple of your blogs, let me uh, get some time with one of your advisors, you follow. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, that, that sounds good. And where do you do your marketing? Is it on Google or Meta? Where does most of that come from? Most of our stuff is uh, Google based. Uh, it's a lot of blogs. It's a lot of uh, interviews like this. It's a lot of mm, like TV interviews, uh, just because again, like from a market sentiment standpoint, being seen as a subject matter expertise matters in this industry, you know? So we spend a lot of time speaking at conferences, speaking on panels, moderating panels, uh, just being sort of present, you know, in, at panels and showing up for uh, events where there'll be other founders, other investors, that sort of thing. But our main sort of driver that we look at is basically Google impressions and how that's uh, translating to appointments that are scheduled. You follow. Okay. hundred percent, hundred percent. And in the next like five years or so, where do you see your industry heading? Um, Cause there's so like, with all the technology available and the data analytic tools and everything that's going on, what do you see changing in the next five years? So there's a lot of consolidation going on. You know, a lot of firms are joining together. They call these roll-ups. So, you know, you have a firm, I have a firm, we combine our firms, we're bigger sort of deal. I think a lot more of that is going to happen because of how fast things are moving digitally. And because you really need a, you, you really, again, need an efficient marketing approach because it's a monopolistic competition. Low barrier of entry to get into this sort of industry, lots of choice and lots of noise, right? So kind of the only thing that differentiates you is the why, right? And so I think there's going to be a lot more of that where smaller firms are teaming up together with larger firms or with one another, you see, and then kind of coming up with a more cohesive brand that is going to attract a uh, particular client to them, as opposed to how I think how it was before, you know, the internet age, which was referral based. Hey, I work with Will. I met this guy. He's cool. Let me make an introduction for him or just outbound cold outreach. I don't think that's as effective anymore. We, we still do outbound. We do outbound every day, actually, you know, but it's primarily, again, through mediums like LinkedIn, and LinkedIn works, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, they, yeah. that's actually how you and I met, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. It works. Uh, but I don't think it's as effective as when someone finds you themselves multiple times during their search journey, and then they reach out, you know, again, there's just sort of a different sort of motivation uh, that's being triggered when someone decides, yeah, I'm going to reach out to you, not I'm going to respond to uh, something you've sent me. When, when receiving information, you're typically your first thought is no, you know, because I get like a gazillion of these <laughs> uh, like inbound requests. I think it's much more effective to have a, a very clear uh, like, 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 like draw them in sort of marketing approach. Yeah, hundred um, percent. That's actually, it's great. So you just try to get yourself in front of them 
without being like too pushy, if that's the right term. And then they like come across your name more often and eventually they, they reach out to you. That's, that's great. <laughs> um, if we were to sit down in 12 months um, and had this conversation again and everything within your business has gone unbelievably right, what would have changed from now until then? I think one thing that we're still working on as a team is credibility, right? So, for example, when you say Nike, that brand stands for something. When you say Bay Street, nobody knows what that brand stands for, right? So I think what you would say, what could go perfect over a 12-month period of time is where when you say that, it stands for something. And it stands for what we want it to stand for. You follow. Uh, and there's a certain guarantee that comes with that word the same way there's a guarantee that comes with a Nike swoosh. You have a certain level of expectation that you that you that you sort of just impulsively go to when you see that. Uh, and, and I think that's one thing that we're looking to uh, do as a firm to make sure that the guarantee and the brand that we're building and what that stands for is immediately recognizable and it immediately evokes this sense of, I understand what I'm what, what that means, what that brand stands for. You follow. So kind of a maybe an awkward answer to your question, but uh, I think that would be that would be 12. If we could do that in 12 months, like that'd be ridiculous. You know, that's that's, <laughs> a, that's a, <laughs> you could have asked. In the next 10 years, and I could have given that same answer, like, well, good luck. That's going to take, take some time, you know? So, No, I, I love the ambition and the passion. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for you. I know you can do it. <laughs> um, and have you, have you had any partnerships or collaborations that have been effective in helping you grow to where you are today? Yes, we've had a lot of early supporters. Again, brand recognition-wise, they might not be household names, but they are influential individuals and organizations. We've also had a lot of organizations who might not have you know, publicly gone on record and said, hey, we've got some big partnership or something like that, but they are organizations that um, are household names. You know, So for example, we've done some work for Waymo. We've done some work for uh, Shale Sandberg, the previous COO at Facebook. She's got a nonprofit. You know, she wrote those books, Lean In, Option B. Uh, we've worked with Confluent, which is a startup that just IPO'd last year. Um, we've worked with Paul Allen, co-founder of Microsoft. He he has a nonprofit, uh, or he established a nonprofit, Allen Institute of AI. They just they just became one of our clients. So, you know, we're, we're starting to kind of build this roster of uh, really solid relationships. Uh, and and again, what what I'm looking to make sure we do is serve those relationships appropriately, so that you know, kind of to your to your point around the right sort of collaboration at the right time at the right place sort of leads to like this you know vir moment of like virility that I think uh, we haven't experienced quite yet. We're we're still seeing incremental growth. We haven't hit this like explosion yet that I know is. Uh, and I would say, yeah, sure, it's available. But we got to make sure we can handle it too, you know. So we're not we're not trying to go from a hundred meetings to like a thousand tomorrow. It's more like let's make sure that we uh, have the infrastructure that we need to make sure that we again are, are building a brand that stands for something and that people can say, "I know what I'm getting when I sign up for that." You follow? Yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. And we're unfortunately running out of time. But 
Before we go, what advice would you give to other business owners looking to succeed in your industry? Whether my industry or, or anyone else's, I would say the best advice that I received was to be informed before I get into any business, you know, and how I go about becoming informed on a topic is pretty programmatic. It's read the top 10 books, find the top 10 experts, find the top 10 conferences, and then spend the time that it takes to get through that material. Because if you do that, you're going to know more than 95% of the other people that are pursuing that same sort of path, even if you haven't spent your whole you know, career doing it. And I think a big life hack, again, age of the internet is audible. I can buy 10 audible books right now. I can put them on 2x speed. And if I really want to, I can know about anything a week from today, like, you know, at least first time hearing it, not even if I haven't applied it yet, but just kind of building that, that foundational knowledge so that when I go to make my first decision, whether regardless of what business I'm making that decision in, I've had the best of the best sort of pour into me and say, this is what worked for me. Take the advice, you know, there's a, there's a Bible verse says you can learn from instruction or you can learn from experience. And so taking the instruction approach, I think is a lot faster than trying to see what's around the corner by walking over and looking, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I couldn't agree more on that. And I really appreciate your, your insights and your time today, William. Um, so thank you for being on the show. What is the best way for people to get in touch with William Houston? If you have any offers for them to take advantage of, or if they're looking to follow your journey. Awesome, man. Uh, yeah. BayStreetCapitalHoldings.com is our website. I'm on LinkedIn. I don't do all the other social media stuff. I'm probably like four or five years. I missed the window, man. I'm a little, I'm, I'm older <laughs> than most people think I am. So I'm on LinkedIn, just William Lloyd Houston Jr. Or William Houston, but yeah, Bay Street Capital Holdings will pop up. We got the, we got the, we at least show up first for our, for our for our domain name right so uh, that's the that's the easiest way to get to to me okay amazing well thank you so much again for your time today you too bro it's great to meet you